Meseches Erevin Perek Yud Mishnah Aleph until Perek Yud Mishnah Dalad. Meseches Erevin is in a way a continuation of Meseches Shabbos. Of course, all of the laws of Erevin apply only on Shabbos, and it really focuses on one of the Malachas of Shabbos, the Malachah of Hetzah, of carrying. So it's very much a continuation of Meseches Shabbos. And so the last Perek of Meseches Erevin, although the first half still discusses the laws of Hetzah, of carrying, many of those laws don't necessarily have anything to do with Erevin itself. And as we'll see in the second half of the Perek, we actually go on to discuss random halachas about Shabbos in general, because really this is the final Perek of the 24 Prokham of Masechus Shabbos, and now the 10 Prokham of Erevin. So this really just sums up some other halachas which we haven't yet learned. Now there is a machlekes about whether Shabbos is considered Zaman Tefillin, or Shabbos loves Zaman Tefillin here. Whether Midoraisa or the Mitzvah of Tefillin applies on Shabbos or not. According to one opinion, it does apply on Shabbos. However, Midrabbonon, it's forbidden to wear tefillin on Shabbos in case you come to wear it in a Rishus Rabim, And then if one of the straps gets torn or it becomes detached from the tefillin itself, you might come to take the tefillin off and carry it in your hands, which would of course be forbidden. You're allowed to wear it in a Rishus Rabim Midraisa because you're actually wearing it, just like you're allowed to wear clothes in a Rishus Rabim. You're also allowed to wear tefillin in a Rishus Rabim. But we are concerned that you might come to take them off and carry them in your hands, and therefore Midrabonon one is forbidden to wear tefillin on Shabbos. According to the second opinion, however, already Midoraisa, the mitzvah of tefillin does not apply on Shabbos or Yom Tov. The main reason being that Shabbos is considered to be a sign, an ice. That's what the Torah calls it. And the Torah also calls tefillin a ice, a sign. So since Shabbos already has an ice, you don't actually have to wear tefillin. And so according to this opinion, the entire mitzvah of tefillin does not apply at Midoraisa even on Shabbos or Yom Tov. And these two opinions are presented in our Mishnah now. Hamaitit tefillin, one who finds tefillin in a place where they are not guarded. They're left out there in the open. And if you leave them there, then there's a high chance that they might be disgraced. Or non-Jews might find them and take them. So the Mishnah says, according to the first opinion, Machnison Zug Zug, one should bring them in to a place where they will be guarded one pair at a time. He should put on the pair of tefillin, one pair, carry it, wear it until he can put them somewhere where they won't be disgraced or where they'll be hidden. And then he should return to where there are more tefillin, wear it and carry it to where they'll be guarded. But according to this opinion, one is not allowed to wear any more than one pair at a time. The reason being that this, this opinion holds that mid or Shabbos is a man tefillin here, that the mitzvah tefillin does apply on Shabbos, and so although in general mid it's forbidden to wear tefillin on Shabbos, in this case the Rabbonon permitted it, but if you wear more than one pair of tefillin at the same time, that is considered to be baltasif, adding on to the Torah. The mitzvah of tefillin is to wear one pair of tefillin. If you wear two, then you're actually adding on to the mitzvah itself. And since the mitzvah of tefillin does apply on Shabbos, midaraisa, so this is considered to be baltasif, you're adding on to the mitzvah which exists, and therefore you can only wear one at a time. However, Raman Gamliel, Raman Gamliel says, Shnaim Shnaim, you should bring them in wearing two pairs of tefillin at one time. The reason being that Raman Gamliel holds that Shabbos is not considered as man tefillin, and the halacha is that if the time where you do the mitzvah and you add on to the mitzvah, if it's not considered to be the time of the mitzvah at all, then you do not violate the prohibition of Baltasif. Baltasif is when you have the mitzvah and then you add on to it. But since here the mitzvah doesn't even apply right now, you do not violate Baltasif unless you explicitly intend to fulfill the mitzvah 
and to add on to it. But of course over here he's not intending to fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin, he's just intending to wear it in order to protect the tefillin and to move it to a different place. So therefore you can wear more than one pair and you will not violate Baltasif. Now why only two at a time? The answer is that it's only considered to be wearing tefillin as opposed to carrying tefillin if they are worn in the way that tefillin are generally worn. So they need to be worn in a way that you could fulfill your mitzvah. Technically, if there was a mitzvah now, you would fulfill your mitzvah. Now on the space on one's head, where one is supposed to place tefillin, and also on one's arm, there is enough room just about for two pairs of tefillin. At least in those days where the tefillin were generally smaller, and so you can wear two at a time, and that would be considered wearing the tefillin, because you're wearing them in the regular way which you could fulfill your mitzvah technically. And therefore you should take two at a time and then return to the pile and continue doing that, until you have moved all of the tefillin into a protected place. Now says the Mishnah, Bamid Varamurim, when are these words said, be a shonis, with old tefillin, which we're going to understand to mean tefillin which are recognizable as being real tefillin with the knots and with the entire tefillin in place, so that it is clear to see that they are definitely considered to be tefillin. Our bachadoshis, but with new tefillin, meaning if the knots of the tefillin have not yet been tied, or if it is not clear for whatever reason that these are definitely considered to be tefillin, then Potter, he is exempt from going through the trouble of wearing them and moving them to a protected place, because it could be that they're not considered tefillin at all. Alright, continues the Mishnah, Metzon Tzavosim. If you found pairs of tefillin which were tied together, let's say you had a, shell, a tefillin shell rosh and a tefillin shell yad tied together, a krichos where you found some bundles of lots of tefillin wrapped together. So either it's not practical for you to wear it, or there are so many of them, that by the time you wear them and carry them to a different place and come back, Shabbos would have gone out already. So in that case, you should just stay there until it gets dark and Shabbos ends, and then you can bring them, you can actually carry them once Shabbos has gone out. And in fact, that is what you should do, rather than violate the Midyabonon prohibition of wearing tefillin in a dangerous situation where you're not able to sit by the tefillin, for example, if it is forbidden to wear tefillin, if the non-Jewish nation who is ruling there forbids them to wear tefillin or to keep mitzvahs. So if this person is found guarding the tefillin, it could be very dangerous. And you also can't wear them and move them to a different place, because again, if he is caught doing so, it could be very dangerous. And therefore, Machasan, he should just cover the tefillin so that they will not be disgraced or found by the non-Jews, and then go on for himself and leave the tefillin where they are. Now the Gemara explains that according to the opinion of this Mishnah, it's only in a situation where there is danger from the government, from those ruling against keeping mitzvahs, they're allowed to just cover it and leave. But if there is a different danger, if let's say it's dangerous for him to be there, he's afraid of bandits, they might harm him or they might take his things, but on the other hand he's not able to wear them because it's all bundled up. So the Gemara explains that according to the opinion of this Mishnah, he should carry the tefillin for less than four amas at a time. And let us explain, whenever one violates the malach of Hitzah, of carrying on Shabbos, he has to do three things. And we learned about this right at the beginning of Masech Shabbos. And that is, he needs to do an Akira, lift up the object. He then needs to do a Shinui Rishus, changing the domain. That's if he's carrying from a private domain to a public domain or vice versa or when it comes to the malacha of carrying something for four amas in a Rishos HaRabim, in a public domain, so then it refers to carrying it for four amas. So the first stage is lifting it up, the second stage is carrying it for four amas, or changing the domain, that's known as Shinri Rishos, and the third stage is Hanacha, is placing that item down either in the new domain, or four amas 
distance away. Now, of course, with Jabbanon, it's forbidden to do any of that. It's also forbidden to carry it for two Amas in Rishasarabim. However, in this case, since it's dangerous for him to stay there, the Rabbanon allowed him to carry the tefillin for less than four Amas at a time. So he should lift up the tefillin, the whole part of the tefillin, carry it for, let's say, two or three Amas, and then put it down. And then again, lift it up and move along a bit less than four Amas and then put it down. The truth is, he doesn't actually have to put the items down. It's enough that he stops in his place. And if he just stands there, that is considered to be a Hanukha. And then when he continues walking again, that will be the Akira. Now, Mr. Base tells us that Rabbi Shimon argues. Rabbi Shimon Oimer. Rabbi Shimon says that instead of doing it like this, rather there's a different solution which is better. And that is, He should give the tefillin to his friend. And then his friend should give it to somebody else. They should create a line of people. And that way he won't need to travel with a tefillin at all. He should just pass it to somebody else, who will then pass it to somebody else, who would then maybe pass it back to him. They would continue walking along, but as long as one person is holding the tefillin, he wouldn't actually walk with them at all. According to Rishimon, it's better that he do that, because if you have one person carrying it less than four amas at a time, it's very easy for him to mistakenly travel a bit more than four amas at a time. Or he might forget for a moment, so it's better that you use lots of people there, where he won't actually move at all, he'll just pass it on to the next person in the line. However, according to the Tanakama of the previous Mishnah, he says that it's better that one person be involved in this, and not lots of people, because this is generally forbidden mid So we don't want lots of people to be doing this, so it's better that only one person do it, and that is the reason for his opinion. So they should do this until they reach the outer courtyard of the city, the nearest place which they can place the fill in such that they will be guarded, that is where they should stop doing this. Once it's safe, then the regular Midrabonon violation of carrying tefillin applies, or of carrying things for less than four Amas, or from giving something to one's friend, that comes back, and therefore you have to leave the tefillin where you can. Continues to be Shimon, V'chin benoi. The same applies to somebody's newborn baby son, or daughter, if he has a newborn baby, and let's say he doesn't have it in the field, so in order to get that baby to the city, no son give it to his friend, the friend should give it to somebody else. They should create a line of people carrying the baby but not actually moving with the baby. Just passing it on to the next person in the line. Afilu even if it takes a hundred different people, or you have to pass the baby a hundred times, even though in this case you're definitely gonna have a crying baby being passed from one person to the other. Nevertheless, the Shimon still holds in this case that this is a better method as opposed to one person carrying the baby and stopping every other step because he might come to carry it by mistake for more than four Amas at a time, as we explained. Alright, continues the Mishnah with an even more lenient opinion. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, even ideally, it's totally permitted to use this method of Rabbi Shimon. One is allowed to give a barrel of wine to his friend, to then pass on to his friend. Even if it ends up being outside of its original Tuchum, meaning it ends up being more than 2,000 Amas away from where it began. And the Gemara explains we're discussing an item which is Hefka. It's ownerless, or at least it was ownerless when Shabbos came in. And according to Rabbi Huda, an ownerless item does not have a Tachum at all. And because of that, as long as you use different people, you could pass it on and on and on and on, even past 2,000 Amas away from where it began. However, Omru Loi Chachom said to him, This item is not allowed to go further than the distance which its owners would be able to go, meaning we look at it as if it had an owner, and that its Mokim HaShavisa is where it began when Shabbos came in, 
and so it cannot be taken further than 2,000 amas away from there, even if it's done by different people handing it to another person. Mishnah Gimel, if somebody was reading a scroll on an eskupa, which is some sort of raised platform at the entrance of the house, or in this case at the entrance of the courtyard, and we're discussing a platform which is less than 10 tefachim high, but the area on top is at least 4 by 4 tefachim. So this platform has the status of a karmelis, so it's forbidden with Jabonon to carry from there into a public or private domain. So somebody was reading a scroll which is wrapped around a stick or something, and as he is reading it, the scroll rolls out of his hand, and although he's still holding one end of the scroll, it rolls out so that now it is dangling down into the public domain. It's not touching the ground of the public domain, but lots of the scroll is now in the airspace of the Rosh Hashanah, although he is holding the other end. So as the Mishnah Gulalai Etzlai, he is allowed to roll it back towards him. Since anyway, it has not had a Hanocha, it hasn't been placed down in the Rosh Hashanah, and also he's anyway holding one end of it, so he is allowed to roll it back towards him. The point of the Mishnah is we are not concerned that he might come in the future to carry things from a public domain into a Karmelis, since anyway, even if he does come to do that, it's only forbidden Medjabonon. Now what happens if Haikobrosh Hagag, if he was reading this scroll on the top of a roof, and this was at least 10 Tfachim high, 4 by 4 Tfachim, and therefore it has the status of Hayochid, a private domain, and it is forbidden to arise to carry from a private domain into a public domain, or vice versa. So if he's reading on top of the pub private domain, and then the scroll, one end of the scroll, the Niskagala Sefimiyodai, it rolls away from his hand towards the public domain. It's now dangling in the airspace with one end of it still in his hand. So the Mishnah says, Up until it reaches within 10 Tfachim of the ground of the Rosh Hashanah, he's allowed to roll it back towards him. Meaning, if the scroll doesn't roll all the way to the ground, and the furthest it gets is still above 10 Tfachim from the ground, so then it's not considered to be in the Rosh Hashanah at all. Because the Rosh Hashanah only goes up to a height of 10 Tfachim. If it's above 10 Tfachim, it's known as a Mokim Ptur, a totally exempt area in which you are allowed to carry from there into other domains. Okay, what happens if Mishir Giala Tfachim, if it rolled enough that it's now within 10 Tfachim of the Rosh Hashanah's ground, so then it is in the Rosh Hashanah, so you can't just roll it back into the Rosh Hashanah, because although there was no Hanocha in the Rosh Hashanah, so you wouldn't actually be violating a Melochim in the Nevertheless, since at the end of the day you would be transferring something from a Rosh Hashanah into a Rosh Hashanah, it is forbidden with a Rabbanon to do so. But you shouldn't just leave it there, because it's considered a disgrace to the Sefer, to whatever scroll it is, to just leave it there dangling. So what you should do is Hovchalaksav, you should turn it over so that the part, the, the side where the writing is written, should be facing the wall, as opposed to it should be facing out into the open. Now, it should be noted that the Gemara explains that this, the case we're talking about is although the scroll did not reach the ground, it did actually land on a sort of slanted wall. So it did actually have a Hanocha in the Rosh Hashanah. Now, rolling it back towards him would still not be a Malachim with since the end, at the end of the day, he was still holding it all along. So it's not considered to be a real Hanocha. But since it did land in the Rosh Hashanah, it is considered very similar to the Malachim with and therefore it is forbidden with Jabalon to roll it back to you. Now, if the scroll was left dangling totally, and it did not land even on a slanted wall, so then the Rabbon hold that even if it's within 10 Tfachim of the ground, you are allowed to roll it back to you, since people will not confuse this with the Malachim with the Arisa. However, if it is within 3 Tfachim of the Rosh Hashanah ground, 
then it is forbidden to roll the scroll back. And the reason for this is because there is a concept known as Lovud. Lovud is a halacha Moshe Messinai. It's a tradition which has been passed down since Moshe at Har Sinai, which states that if something is within three tefachim of another object, then we view it as if they are touching and connected to each other. And the gap in between them, we view it as if there's no gap in between them. So in this case, if something rolled and it's within three tefachim of the Rosh Hashanah ground, according to the first opinion of the Mishnah at least, we view it as if it is actually touching the ground. And then it did have a Hanacha. So although again you have not done a Melach Midaraisa, because you're still holding on to the item, Nevertheless, you are not allowed to roll it back to you because it is very similar to a Melachim de Raisa, according to this opinion. Even if it is removed from the ground only by the distance of a needle. So it's within three tefach from the ground, even in that case, you are allowed to roll it back to you on Shabbos because Lovud is not a strong enough concept to view it as if this literally landed. At the end of the day, the item was not placed at rest. Even if you view it as if it's sort of touching the ground, you still cannot consider it to be at rest, and therefore it is permitted to roll it back to you. Alright, now the last opinion of Bishimon, I'm Bishimon says, Even if it did actually reach the ground itself, you are still allowed to roll it back to you, and in fact you should do so, because none of the Medirabonon prohibitions of Shabbos stand and override the honor which must be given to holy scrolls. So since it is not considered honorable to leave them dangling there, according to Rabbi Shimon, one should roll it back, and the rabbinic prohibitions would not apply in that case. The next few Mishnahs discuss different activities which one is, is or isn't allowed to do whilst standing in one domain and doing it in the other domain. As we will see now, Ziz Shlifne Chaloin, a windowsill which is in front of a window, and we're talking about a windowsill which is above Tent Fochim, so it sticks out of a Rishus Hayochid and it's above a Rishus Harabim. Now, as we learned before, Rishus Harabim only goes up to a height of Tent Fochim, so this is above Tent Fochim, so it's not actually in the Rishus Harabim, and because of that, Nathan Olav and Nathan Menu Bashabas, one is allowed to put things onto the windowsill and take them from the windowsill into the house on Shabbos. It is not considered to be part of the Rosh Hashanah as we explained. Now the Gemara adds that this is only the case with items where if they were to fall into the Rosh Hashanah they would smash. So for example, glasses and bottles and other fragile items, those sort of things you can place on the windowsill. Because apart from the fact that they're less likely to fall into the Rosh Hashanah because we'll be more careful, even if they do fall into the Rosh Harabim, there's no concern that you're going to come and bring it up into the Rosh again because they smashed. But things which would not smash, we do not allow you to do so in case you come to bringing the items back from the Rosh Harabim into the Rosh Hayochid. Alright, says the mission, one is allowed to stand in the Rosh and move something in a public domain. Or you can stand in the public domain and move something in the private domain. So stretch his hand into the other domain and do something there. And the Gemara explains this is only if he does not need that item in his own Rishus. So we're not concerned that he's going to come and bring it into his own Rishus. Now the Mishnah adds that there's another concern as long as he does not move it for more than four Amas. And this is referring to the case where he is standing in Erosh HaYochid and moving something in Erosh Sarabim. Just like when you are in the Erosh Sarabim, you're not allowed to carry something for four Amas. So too in this case, you're not allowed to move the item for four Amas in Erosh Sarabim. So though you are allowed to move it, you need to be careful not to move it for more than four Amas, which would be a Malacha Mid Eraisa.